0: I don't want to get ahead of myself this morning. We're in Matthew 5. Uh, we're, we're we're looking at blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled, but that next one, that fifth one, 5 numerically in your bibles, the number of grace, that fifth one's that fifth one's ringing at me this morning. Blessed are the merciful. How does it read? I don't have my Bible open. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Is that what it said? <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I won't preach this one this morning, but can we just comment on it for just a minute? Aren't you glad for the mercy you've received? All of us needed mercy, and still do. Uh And the Lord said in his Sermon on the Mount, if you're merciful, you'll live in mercy. You'll live, there'll be mercy all throughout your life. And the reason we're merciful is because there's a progression here in all these first five. We come to God poor in spirit. We realize, you know, I'm not really good. (laughs) That's how a sinner get saved. You know, I'm kind of messed up. Actually, I'm really messed up. I, actually, I don't even know how to save myself. Poor in spirit. And uh, then, blessed are they that mourn. You become poor in spirit. There's a contrite spirit that comes along with that, a mourning, a repentance, a, a, a realization that look what my sin has done to God. You ever, you ever come face to face with your sin and it broke you? What you've done to God. What you've done against God's word. Mourning. Blessed are they that mourn. So we come to God, poor in spirit. And then we realize my sin is awful. All the times that God has caused me to realize my sin is a terrible thing. Not just the moment when I got saved, but more so even after I've been saved. I don't know if I realized the severity of the sin in my life when I got saved. I just realized the need of the Lord in my life. But throughout my years as I I've, as I've prayed and tried to walk with the Lord and, and uh, come to God about an issue that I didn't really think was all that bad and then the Lord revealed to me how dark and deep and wicked it was. And then a, a brokenness. Lord, I don't even think I can live for you at all. I've been so wrong. <laughs> My wife sings that song occasionally. It's been a while. Do you remember with all your heart you longed to serve him? But you didn't think that Jesus could ever, ever use someone like you. <laughs> That's mourning over sin. And, 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 and then, blessed are the meek. It's a progression here when we realize that, God, I've made such a mess of this thing. If there's gonna be anything good come out of my life from here on, I'm gonna have to submit my life to you. I'm gonna have to humbly quit trying to run the show, call the shots, I'm gonna have to give you my life. That meekness. And and then there causes a hunger and thirst after righteousness, more like you, less like me. Lord, I need you. I want you. I want your will. I want your word. I want you. I can't walk without you holding my hand. I want to live in your presence. And then the next one, we'll preach it next week, Lord willing, but blessed are the merciful. When you can, when you can get through, God, I'm nothing. And you can mourn and realize I've made a mess of things. And, and sometimes that happens earlier on in life, but how many of you found sometimes that, that'll hit you about midway through your 20s and into your 30s and, and then further on into life you realize, I've, I really, I just made it by grace. <laughs> As you you begin to realize that all the things that you thought that you were doing that was really making God like you better than everybody else, it was really just a response to the fact that God was letting you live for him. Instead of, I'm doing this, God likes me more, God should have put me in hell and God's just been merciful to me. You know what that'll do? That'll cause you to have mercy for your brother. We, we, we say, well, I'll tell you what. If they do this, this, and this, and this. And what if God said that about me and you? Well, I'll tell you if they do this, 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 and this. And they will tell you they're in a the mess and blah, 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 blah. Whatever the stuff that we say. You come to the end of all of this and you've got mercy in your heart for people. Oh, well, y'all can talk back to me reason why you're always fighting with people because you expect too much out of people. <laughs> you expect them to be a certain way and, and, and they're not going to be and you can live with them when you, if you learn to have mercy for them. The reason why everybody's always mad at some preacher, and y'all have been real good in the last 16 years, we've, we've got along real well and I appreciate that, but half the churches in America are running the preacher off of every other because they expect... They, they, they don't have mercy for him that they want him to have for them. That, that person you're married to is gonna need a lot of mercy from you. Them children's gonna need a lot of mercy for you. Hey, children, mom and dad's gonna need a lot of mercy from you. You want mercy in your life? Realize all the mercy you've already received in your life. And people you can't get along with they're just they are just as stubborn as you are. That's why you can't get along with them. Oh, it's quiet. Yeah. Problem is, is they're just as proud as you are. That's why y'all can't get along. Both of you is like like like, two goats. You're butting heads. you goats. And and, and and you're really in a competition to see who's the king of the hill. And what you need is to realize that you're not... Other goats in the same boat. Y'all are heading to the slaughterhouse if not for grace. <laughs> uh, mercy. Well, I'm not going to preach on that this morning, but I thought I'd throw that out there at you. Blessed are the merciful. That helps me be merciful to people. I, I used to have a hard time being merciful to people. Then one day I ran into myself and realized how bankrupt and how bad I really was. And that there had been nothing that God had ever done for me that I had ever deserved. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing God's ever done for me that I, well you did this, this, and this. I know because God let me. Not because I come up with it on my own. And I can toe a straight line, and I can, I can preach righteousness, and I can preach high standards, and I ain't gonna quit preaching any of that. But when we fall below all of it, I can still be full of mercy. I can say, hey, here's the mark, y'all, up here. You see the mark? It's where we need to be. And then all of us, way down beneath the mark, but we're all we're, we're all in the same mess. Let's, let's work together and, and let God bring us up here. Amen. Mercy. All right, I want you to go to the book of Haggai this morning. I've, only, I've already preached half of this message Wednesday night. You'd think it wouldn't take me long to preach the second half, wouldn't you? But y'all know me, don't you? You pray for me, I'm preaching Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in Fruithurst, Alabama. And uh, I used to not tell y'all when I was going to be gone, but y'all do a good job being here, and I appreciate that. So I want you to pray for me. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'll be in uh, Fruithurst, Alabama preaching and uh, preaching for Brother Paul Cannon. I've preached for years for him and uh, looking forward to it, excited about it. Uh, I'm I'm in Matthew 5. You're in Haggai chapter 1. Let's stand. and uh, We'll read verse number 6 this morning. Verse number 6. Blessed uh, are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I wanna, I wanna finish this morning, the thought we started Wednesday night on this fourth beatitude. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for the reading of the word of God. Lord, thank you for the sweet spirit of God here this morning. Lord, we ask you, God, fill us with mercy. God, fill us with grace. And Lord, may we hunger and thirst after righteousness in our life. Thank you for the the crowd that's here this morning. Lord, we bless your name. Save before this day is over, I pray. Meet with us in the preaching of the word of God. May the spirit of God have free reign and preeminence as, as I preach, Lord, please, help me. God will thank you for it, in Christ's name, amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, I asked you to go to Haggai because we're gonna read several verses this morning in chapter one. Uh, I think there's only two chapters, if I'm not mistaken, you can turn and look. I think there's only two chapters in this uh, book of Haggai. It is uh, one of the minor prophets. Uh, Haggai was a post-exile uh, from Babylon prophet or preacher uh, and uh, he, he, he is prophesying to the Jews in a time uh, after they have come out of Babylon uh, captivity or Babylonian captivity. Somewhere, uh, if my memory serves me correct, uh, around 538 B.C. Uh, you say, how long ago was that? I don't know, but a long time ago. Uh, One man uh, that I read behind said it was in the same, not that this matters to me or you, but it was in the same time frame or the same historical era of Confucius in China. Uh, Haggai, uh, a a prophet to the Jews. Not that Confucius means anything to you or me, but maybe it gives you a historical reference uh, of time. Uh, that Haggai preached to the nation of Israel after uh, their uh, exile, or their captivity, rather, in Babylon. Um, they, they, they were, uh, I think it was Cyrus uh, of Persia uh, released uh, the Jews, the nation of Israel, and about 50,000 Jews went back to their homeland. Uh, a big old pile of people went back home uh, and endeavored to set up uh, a, a temple, or the temple, uh, Solomon's temple, that had been destroyed. It had been destroyed uh, under the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, and they go back and they endeavor to set it up uh, and <clears throat> for about two years. Uh, and and, and my, my study of the history of this, uh, I realized that uh, about two years in, they were met, not just for two years in, but somewhere in that two year time frame, they were met with great opposition from the outside and the inside. Uh, there were issues that opposed them rebuilding the temple. And so they put it off. Uh, they turned their attention from building the temple to building their homes. They were building their fields, their bank accounts, their livelihood. What they had not been able to do in all of those years, I think 70 years in captivity, now they've been released, they go forth to build the tabernacle or to build the temple. They're met with opposition, it's not easy, And so they begin to build their own houses. They begin to build their own lands. They begin to build their own economy. They begin to build their own finances. Uh, And 16 years has lapsed since they've been released and quit building the temple when Haggai shows up on the scene in chapter number one with a message from God. You've turned there, I wanna read it with you this morning. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with hungering and thirsting after righteousness? Well, when we read chapter one, I hope you'll see the comparison. But let me say this, this morning, they had endeavored with the right mentality, let's build a house for God. God's house has been demolished, God's house has been destroyed, God's house has been depleted of his presence because of captivity of God's people and Nebuchadnezzar has destroyed it all. Let's rebuild a place where God meets with man. And if you remember uh, this morning, uh, where is God's tabernacle? It's not this building, uh, but it is within the heart of the believer because of Jesus, uh, uh, because of the cross, Because of Calvary, I am the temple of the Lord. Aren't you glad of that this morning? When you get saved, what do we say? The Lord moves in and he literally does. I have the spirit of Christ. Uh, Paul said uh, uh, that we are the temple. Uh, Your body is the temple. Uh, It is the place where God meets with man. We have a temple. Uh, Our body is that earthly temple where God meets with us. He speaks to us in our heart. He speaks to us through his word. He manifests himself in and through us. But in Old Testament Israel, where God met with man pre-Calvary, pre-the cross, pre-Jesus Christ uh, uh, incarnate, where God met with man was in the temple on the altar. It was the place that God had designed that his glory come down. It was the place that God had designed that sacrifice go up. It was the place that God designed that where he would lead them and where he would commune with them and where he would fellowship with them. Do you see the, uh, the connection there? Uh, it was where they heard God's voice. It was where they experienced God's leadership. It was where they offered praise and, and glory to God. It was where they worshiped God. And they thought it is important that we bring this back. It is important that we have a place where we can worship God. How many of you still agree with that this morning? It is important that there is a place in our life where we can worship God. There is a place in our life where we can praise God. There is a place in our life where we can offer sacrifice to God, where we can give him. You say, what does that sacrifice look like? Well, Romans 12 verse one and two said, and we've been learning it in school, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. If you're here this morning and you're lost, God wants you. If you're here this morning and you're saved, God wants you. He wants your life. They thought it was important, as most people do, a place to worship a place to praise God, a place to give God your life, a place to offer sacrifice, a place to hear the voice of the Lord, a place uh, to give God that which belongs to him. And had it been an easy thing, uh, they would have built that temple again. Had there been no opposition, uh, they would have put it where it was supposed to be, made it how it was designed to be. Uh, and they would have done that and offered to God. but here's what they were met with. they were met with opposition. That's why it's hard for men you to live for God this morning because you live in a world that opposes it. Are you hearing me today? You live in a world, you live in a body, your body opposes you living for God. Your body has never woke up that one morning and said, you know, I think today we need to read the Bible. If that ever has happened, it wasn't your flesh that came up with the idea. Your body don't wanna live for God. Your flesh don't want to live for God. Your neighbors don't want to live for God. Your rulers don't want to live for God. The devil certainly don't want you living for God. There's opposition on every hand. And because of that, they seceded the idea. They come to the point where they thought, well, maybe God don't want us to build a temple. It's too hard. They quit. 16 years go by. They said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build our house. We're gonna spend our time building our land. We're gonna plant our vineyards. We're gonna sow our fields. We're gonna build our bank account. We're gonna build our house. Does anybody hear me this morning? God sent a preacher. Here's what he said, Haggai chapter one. In the second year of Darius, the king in the sixth month, in the first day of the month came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet undesired Zerubbabel, the son of Shilteal, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Josedek the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, this people say, the time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. They said, obviously, it's not time to build the Lord's house, there's too much opposition. Obviously, God has had a providential hand in us not building his house. He has, he has set us back. It's not the time uh, to build the Lord's house. That was their mentality. Verse three, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet saying, is it time for you? O ye to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste. You, You have taken your time and against all opposition you've built your house. You have made it what you want it to be. And yet you've let this house for 16 years since you got released from captivity lie waste. On top of that, 70 years in captivity since it's been destroyed, uh, uh, 86 years it has lied waste. In the last 16 years, you've been building houses for you. You've been pleasing you. You've been living your life the way you want to live your life. You've been been building your kingdom while my house lies waste. Again, To compare that to me and you this morning, you've been building your kingdom while your worship has been non-existent. You've been building your kingdom while your praise has ceased to exist. You've been building your kingdom while the place where God meets with you has become a null and void. You've been building your kingdom while you've had zero guidance from the voice of God in your life. See how it relates. Now, verse five. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Here's what God said to them, and they're going to find out here in the middle in a minute. It's because of the hand of God that it's been this way. He said, "I, I, I sent you into captivity." I'm not going to do that again now, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to touch everything that you're trying to touch, and I'm not going to let it be what you want it to be. And there's some of us in here this morning, and you're living in the very middle of that, and the reason why nothing ever works in your life is because you're trying to build your kingdom, and God's wanting to get your attention, and he's wanting you to hunger and thirst after something a little bit greater than what you've been trying to build. It's quiet in here this morning. You've so much and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. Watch this now. I mean, how many of you feel like you're living right now? When we read this, you're gonna feel like you're living uh, in about 538 B.C. Watch this. He that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. You're making money and you're putting it in your little pocketbook and your little pocketbook's got holes in the bottom and everywhere you go, you're constantly losing what you've been making. You quit hungering and thirsting after building me a house because of opposition. So you started hungering and thirsting after building a new house. You quit trying to build my kingdom. Now you're trying to build your kingdom. You quit trying to worship my name and now you're trying to build your name. You You quit trying to listen to my voice and now you're trying to do things your way and how is that working out for you? Thus saith the Lord, verse seven, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You wanna change it? You want it to be different? Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. I will take pleasure in it and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much and lo it came to little. And I know folks sitting here this morning you'll say, preacher, that's just happenstance. That's just the way life is. You work and you don't get ahead. But in this situation, it is not happenstance. It is the hand of God not allowing it. I'm gonna read it to you. You look for much and lo it came to little and when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. He said, everything you brought home, it was me that blew it away. You think this morning because you don't tithe, you're putting money up somewhere and what you don't realize is the reason why you're living like you are is because you won't honor God with what he's got and what you do get a hold of, he's blowing it away. Them old timers used to preach and say, God will get it somehow, it might be in a flat tire or a broke down motor, but God will get it from you if you don't don't want to give it to him. I mean, the accusation is uh, you don't want to live, and I'm not just talking about just tithe, and I'm, but giving God your life, hungering and thirsting after his will uh, more than your will. He said, you didn't want to do that and everything you've been trying to build, I'm the one been blowing it down. You, th- you thought it was uh, three little pigs. But God is... I believe I've lived there before because God was trying to get my attention. I believe I've lived there before because God was trying to get me up to where I needed to be uh, and make me realize that there's more to this life than the kingdom that I'm trying to build for me. Everything they touched, he said, I did blow upon it. Why saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste and you run every man into his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought. He said that drought I called for. And upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the lands. And you can go read on, and I won't read any more this morning out of Haggai, but you can go read on. But it was the hand of God trying to get the attention of the people of God that had quit trying to build his house and started trying to build their house. The accusation is not that it's wrong for you to build your house. The accusation is not that it's wrong for you to go to try to live your life and you go to work and you do and you strive and you make a living. That's not the wrong. That's not the accusation. But here's the accusation. When you quit trying to have a relationship with God, when you quit trying to have that, uh, uh, that, that, that dwelling, that tabernacle, what's the place that God met with man? And when there's no more of God meeting with you and you meeting with God, God, God will do what he needs to do to get your attention. Matthew chapter five, the Lord Jesus looked at this same crowd, just their descendants. The same bunch of people, it was just their great, 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 great grandchildren. And he said, y'all are just like them. And he can look at us this morning and say, y'all are just like them as well. You're busy building your land, your kingdom, your life, doing it your way. But if you want to live in the blessings of God, if you want to know the joy of the Lord, then let your hunger and thirst be after righteousness and not what you can build with your hands. Well, what about what I can build? If I, if I spent my life, preacher, living for God, I wouldn't have anything. Oh, yeah? You don't hardly have anything now, and you've been trying to spend your life living for that. You, 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 we, we, we try to give our life to that and end up at the end of the day, we don't have much of it anyways, and what we do have, somebody's always trying to get. And whatever we do accumulate, you can't take it with you and the people you're gonna leave it to don't want it, they just want the money. Look over, if you're in Haggai, you're not gonna be able to do this, but if you're in Matthew chapter five, look over to chapter number six. same message, just a different part of it. Chapter six, verse number Uh, oh, let's see, verse 31 maybe, yeah. Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first, hear me now, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, isn't that what he just said? Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Isn't that what Haggai said to Israel? You're trying to build your kingdom here, but if you'll let God, if you'll build God's king, if you'll thirst after righteousness, God can take care of your house. Watch what he says now, chapter six. I've lost my place, verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. That's a promise. I wanna say that again to you this morning. That is a promise. Jesus made it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. If you're hungry to build your kingdom, God has the ability to blow it down. If you're hungry to build your name, God has the ability to bring it to nothing. If you're hungry to build your bank account, God can turn the dollars in your bank account to worthless pieces of paper. If you're hungry to build your life, God has the ability to take it from you. But if you'll be hungry after the righteousness of God, God can and will take care of your home, your house, what you need. We need to live in in this life it's a promise I would submit to you and I'm going to give you our outline we've been using for all of this and i'll be done preaching this morning I would submit to you uh, Turn that thing around. Uh, whatever you've been trying to build apart from the goodness of God, let God let, let God bring back into your life a place where rebuild your altar. Go back and find your altar. Go find your place of prayer. Go find your Bible life. Go find a, a sinner and tell him about Jesus. And if you'll be busy about his business, he'll take care of your business. He has proved himself to me. I'm going to do this, preacher. I'm going to do this. I'm going to wait until we get this done. When I get this done, I'm going to be there. The problem is you ain't ever going to get that done because God keeps blowing it down. Preacher, we, 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 I need to make a little money. We, we're in a bind. And uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his right, and all these things shall be added unto you. How come they're not added unto you? Oh, it's done got quiet. God never promised to make you rich, but all these things that you need food, shelter, clothing how come they're not added unto you? Preacher, I don't have all this stuff I need right now. I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this. And that's what Haggai's group said. We're gonna do this, but when we get it done, when we get these houses built, when we get these grounds sowed, when we get this farm done, when we get the, when we get the when we get the seed in the ground, then we're gonna be there. When we do what we've got to do, then we're gonna build what God has, but that's gonna come, and, and God wants you to turn that thing around. He can take care of your house. He can take care of your bank account. He can take care of your needs. He can take care of your bread. If you put Him first, all of these things shall be added unto you. That's not wealth, health, and prosperity. That's Bible preaching. Just like all the other Beatitudes, we've looked at the same outline. It's three points. I preached one of them last Wednesday night. It is a paradox. This beatitude, just we're looking at it through the same lens. It is a paradox just like the rest. That's not your natural tendency. Your natural tendency is to build your kingdom and your kingdom only. A hundred percent. First and foremost, I'm going to live my life for me. But Jesus makes such a difference in your life that when he moves in, he asks you, would you quit living your life for you and would you live it for me? And as you live it for him, you'll live it for others. Huh? He'll ask you to go somewhere, in a foreign nation because he's got a sinner over there that's looked up one night in the starry skies and said I know there's got to be more to life than this. There's got to be a God. There's got to be a creator. And just because they are inquisitive, God will come to your little house in Hepsibah, your little house in Burke County, your little house in Richmond County and he'll come by where you are and he'll say uh, he'll say to you, I, 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 I want to use you and I want to send you here and you'll pack your bags up after deputation and you'll go To where God wants you to go because God's got one little person over there he wants to save and take to heaven because that one person was interested in him. And in our me first society, we'll say, Well, where am I going to live? But you know what I found out? anybody who ever says, God, I'll go, he takes care of their residency. How am I going to pay for it? You know what I found out? Anybody who says, God, I'll do what you want me to do, he takes care of all of their bills. He's a whole lot bigger than you think he is. And he don't need your help running your life. It is a paradox because it is opposite of everything. And what I want you young men to get a hold of, what I want you to bring to the altar, what I want you is, God, here's what I'm wanting to do. I'm wanting to go to mechanic school or I'm wanting to be an electrician or I'm wanting to do whatever it is. But God, what I want is not first. What I want is not premier. And if you want to change it, God, it's yours. I'll do what you want me to do and I'll trust you to take care of my needs. That's not just for young men, but that's for middle-aged women, and middle-aged men, and old men and old women. You're never too young to give God your life, and you're never too old to give God your life. Seek ye first. Preacher, everybody's not going to the mission field. No, they're not. But you got one where you live, and if you get up in the morning... And use that job as a mission field. And you'll give what you need to give and you'll do what you need to do and you'll surrender to God what you need to surrender. I promise you He can take care of you just as well. I got to have this job, preacher, even though you know it's not where God wants you to be. I got to do this. I got to, I got to. How about this? I'm going to honor God. And I'll trust God to honor me. I remember when you when you quit working on Sundays. Let me ask you a question, and I don't mean this rude, but I don't think you've missed one meal. And you ha- and your family hadn't? Huh? I'm gonna put God first. I believe my family ought to be in church, and I know I'm preaching to the choir, and I don't even think I'm talking to them, But that kind of stuff matters. I'm and we're gonna live for God and we're gonna make the sacrifice and we're gonna do right and we're gonna do it to the will of God. We're gonna do it to the glory of God. And God has provided everything you need. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. This a paradox. Here's the second point. It's a progression. And I already led into that this morning in the introduction as I was talking about merciful. So I won't preach it again, but I will say it like this. Poor in spirit, Lord, I'm nothing. I can't save myself. That's how you get into the family of God. Morning! God, I've been so wrong. How could you ever even love me? Meek! Lord, if I made such a mess all this time, I'm gonna give you what I've got from here on. Hungering and thirsting and after righteousness. Lord. More than I want food on my table, I want to be right with you. More than I want water in my glass, I want to be right with you. My necessary needs of life pale in comparison to my spiritual desire to be what you want me to be. I'm going to tell you something this morning. You call me whatever you want, but I've been there in my life. I want to be there now, I hope I am. God, i got to have you more than anything. I, I, I can make it without some stuff, but I can't make it without you. It is a progression. You come to the end of yourself and you realize how good God is and how much you need him, and you begin to, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's the progression. I need you. Here's the last point this morning. I'm done preaching. There's the promise of this beatitude. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are they in Haggai chapter 1 that decide, I'm going to build God's house where. It's not that they're building the house, but it is that they are building the place, the possibility, where God can meet with them because they want to hear His voice need to hear His voice. Why, why are you here this morning? Well, maybe some, maybe some this morning, I don't know. Maybe some came and because everybody else in their family was coming and they could not not be here. Maybe some are here this morning because you enjoy the social interaction of church and you enjoy the good services. But I'd say many of you here this morning because there was a time that you didn't want any of this. but God came into your life and you tasted of the goodness of the Lord and you've been coming back week after week after week after week because he's so wonderful and you want more. I want him more today than I did yesterday. And every now and then, every now and then, I'll get filled up on something out there. And and, and the Lord will come by and say, it's been a long time since me and you have talked. It's been a while since we, you had not really spent much, you've been going through your religious ceremonies, but it's been a while since me and you met together. And just hearing his, hallelujah, just hearing his voice makes me hungry again and thirsty for righteousness. Here's the promise. They shall be filled. (laughs) What a promise. Are you hungry for righteousness? Are you hungry to build your kingdom? Good possibility if you're his, he's gonna blow it down. That's not fair, really. He's already promised you if you live for him, if you'd give him your life, he'd take care of that. He can take care of it better than you can. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty for pleasure? It'll never feel. He said, you've been eating, but you're not full. You've been drinking, but you're still thirsty. You got the best of clothes that money can buy, and you still want more. I'm not against buying clothes. I don't believe God's against buying clothes. He's been putting nice clothes on me since 1985. It was some hand-me-down years. I was born in 1985. I'm trying to my whole life he's been clothing me. I come up in the time where babies didn't wear Throw away diapers. They wore them kinds where you had to hang them out on a line after you washed them. I mean, maybe they had diapers in, but Mom and Dad was too poor to go buy. It was a waste of money to go buy something you're gonna throw away. Wash it and hang it up. It was always a joyful chore when Mom would say, "Son, take your, take your brother's diaper and go outside with a water hose." <laughs> Some of y'all have missed out on joys of life. I think we need to go old school again. I don't even remember what I was saying. <laughs> He'd been taking care of me. He took care of me even when I wasn't sicking. But I'm gonna tell you something this morning. When I surrendered my life to God. There's been some hard times, some teaching times, some dark times, some learning experiences. But I can tell you something this morning. I can say it emphatically. I can say it. I can say it assuredly. God has met my every need. I I, 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 Listen, this is not a wealth, health, and prosperity message. But you can't outdo God. You can't outgive God. You can't out serve, God is going to be better to you than you've ever been to Him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His. His righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Whose kingdom are you trying to build? What are you hungry for? What are you thirsty for? Here's the promise if you're hungry for God and His righteousness, He'll fill you. When a sinner says, I'm not righteous, but I want to be right with God. God will fill you with his righteousness. That's what makes salvation so joyful. Hear me now, two minutes and I'm done, don't lose me. That's how you get saved. God, I'm unrighteous, I want to be right with God. When you got saved, was it not because you wanted to be right with God? I'm not right with God, and I want to be right with God. Is that not what we say? You need to get right with God. I want to be right with God. I want to be right with God more than anything I want. And God will say, I'll give you my righteousness. The woman at the well came for a drink of water. John chapter number four. And the Lord said, are you thirsty? She said, I am. That's why I come here. He said, I got some water. You'll never thirst again. I've got some water that will satisfy you. And he gave her living water. He gave that to her. He filled her. with His righteousness. I come in here this morning just bragging on the goodness of God, rejoicing in the goodness of God because my righteousness was as filthy rags, but I'm not living in my righteousness. My righteousness is undone. I am undone without God, but I am living at the well. I am enjoying the water of life freely. I am enjoying the righteousness of God that has been imputed to me. You know why? Because as a sinner, I wanted it, and when I asked for it, he gave it. It's twofold. It's twofold. You're saved this morning, you say, I want to live for God. I know I'm His, but I've I'm not, I'm not really made myself accessible to Him. I've been building my own house. I want to do something for the Lord. His promise is, if you just are hungry, He'll fill you. He did say you had to do anything, just be hungry, thirsty. God I come down here on this altar I don't even know what you want me to do I just come down here to tell you I'm hungry I want you He said I feel you God I'm giving you my life because I'm hungry God, I'm reading my Bible. I don't even know what I need this morning. I'm not even, I don't even know where I am this morning, but I just, I know you're in here and and I'm reading the word of God and and, and the Lord sees your hunger. and Your thirst. He said, I feel you. God, we hadn't been going to church and uh, I know you're real, but I've been doing my own thing, but I really need you. And so you got up this morning, put your dress clothes on, come to church. And God said, you you come looking for me, didn't you? You hungry? Yeah, I am hungry, Lord. Okay, I'll fill you. Are you thirsty? Yeah, I'm thirsty. All right, I'll fill you. And I got enough for you and your family. (laughs) He'll fill you and your wife. He'll fill you and your children. He'll fill you, ladies, and your husband. because you were hungry and thirsty. And the argument of this text is, is this all millennial kingdom stuff or is this? And I'll tell you what I've been telling you. It's twofold, it's here and now. If you're hungry this morning, God will fill you now. If you're thirsty this morning, God will fill you now with his righteousness. and You can live in miracles and blessings. Or you can walk out of here and go turn your car out of the parking lot and go get back busy building your kingdom until we meet again. Or you can literally surrender now and be filled. It's here now and it's there and then. There's coming a day in the millennial reign. There's coming a day at the rapture of the church. There's coming a day in eternity. God will spend the rest of eternity filling you or letting you live in the fullness of his righteousness. I got it all in me right now, but I'm still walking around in these rags. But one of these days I'm going to shed these rags and I'm going to have a glorified body. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. This mortal shall put on immortality. The corruptible shall put on incorruption. It's here now, it's there and then if you want it. You come to the piano this morning. Haggai chapter 1. It's time to quit building your house and build a place for God to meet with you. What about your altar this morning? Is it dusty? Has the weeds overtaken it? Does it become a shoe closet? Or poison oak and poison ivy overrun it? What about your Bible this morning? Did you dust all the dust off from the week this morning when you carried it to church? Or maybe you didn't even pick it up. You just got one that sits on your shelf there and one that sits on your pew here. Not very hungry. What do I need to do? Taste. Go back and be reminded as to why you enjoyed it in the first place. When you're out there, you'll forget what it's like in here for the most part. There'll be remembrances and reminders and, but you forget, don't you? But The moment you walk through that door, y'all tell me if I'm wrong. I'm talking about you've been gone a little while. The moment you walk through that door, it's like the Holy Ghost meets you right there, ain't it? And it says you've been missing something here. Talk to him. And as you begin to hunger and thirst, he'll make sure you get filled with righteousness. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you for helping us all morning. You have blessed us now during this part of the invitation. There may be someone lost today. I pray you'd save them. There may be someone today, Lord, they're not hungry, they're not thirsty, and, they, and, and they, maybe they think, well, Lord, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe they're not. Maybe they need to be saved, but it could be that they're full of junk. They're full of flesh. They're full of filth. They need to let the Spirit of God take things out of their life and add things to their life. Lord, would you help us? In Christ's name, Amen. Let's stand all over the building this morning. We're going to give the invitation. Would you come this morning just to say, God, I'm hungry. God, I'm hungry for your righteousness. God, I'm thirsty. I've been building my kingdom. I'm sorry. I've been, I've been, I've been storing up down here and very little up there. God, I need you this morning. My family needs you. I need to be right with you what about it this morning? They're all over the building. People have come. You still come if you need to, as she sings. Amen.